Window World is proud to present Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Simply the best for less at windowskansascity.com. It was just an incredibly dramatic scene Monday night as we all settled in to watch the much-anticipated Bills-Bengals game, which was off to a flying start. The Bengals looked at least midway through the first quarter almost unbeatable in this thing, marching down, scoring a touchdown, going up 7-0, giving up a field goal, then marching across midfield on a 13-yard pass to T. Higgins, and as he fought for some extra yardage, he ran into DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. That's where T. Higgins' helmet apparently hit Hamlin in the chest, near the heart, and caused something that we've never seen in a football game before. And that is a player getting up and then collapsing. It was one of the most dramatic things we've ever seen. It was live on television with a massive audience and a game that seemed like a playoff game or something very, very big. And it became intense and dramatic because nobody watching knew what was going on. Perhaps some of the players on the field saw better what was going on Certainly the responders on the field knew what was going on. This podcast is not a great place for updates. What I can tell you is as of Monday morning, uh, DeMar Hamlin is in critical condition. He's in an induced coma at the medical center in Cincinnati. And experts, doctors have said that that will typically in a case like this, your induced coma would last about three days. The point of that is to cool the body temperature, lower it, and allow the body and the function of the heart and the blood flow to reach the organs of the body and take care of them in a better fashion than you would if you were awake and your body temperature were higher. Again, I'm not a doctor. Spent a lot of time late last night researching this and this morning trying to bring to this podcast a a pretty even approach to exactly what's going on here and a fair approach. So that really is his condition. What we saw unfold on the field while Twitter was erupting And we will have a discussion here in a couple of moments about the way the different media outlets reacted to this thing, because to me, that is a major story of what we're going to do going forward as a a country, as a society, as a human race. How do we want to live? This was, as it was playing out, was stunning to me. Watching the different media outlets, I stayed off Twitter. That was no place for me, and I'm not an expert on heart conditions or these types of injuries, and I I saw a lot of people that are in sportscasting or journalism that got into some hot water for things that they did. This was just, it's just no place to comment because you don't know what's going on. But we watched it unfold. He got immediate help. Uh, Later, watching Fox News, a doctor came on and said, well, this was everything. The fact that there were responders right there and restored his heartbeat immediately in the case of what they believe is, and Fox first reported as commodio cortis, a condition where you have blunt force trauma against the heart, at just the proper millisecond, and this is the important thing, that blunt force, if it had been one one one-hundredth of a second later or sooner, this probably wouldn't have happened. It is about the rhythm of the heart, if indeed it is commodio cortis, which is what reports are saying this, and all of the cardiologists and doctors that have watched this and commented on this say this is what it appears to be, but then they go on and say, I'm not the patient's doctor, so I, I can't say, but this is exactly what we see in young men that are rushed to the hospital, we see with something called commodio cortis, and that is a blunt force trauma to the heart that knocks your heart out of rhythm. And it can stop the heart, or the heart can just be wildly out of rhythm. And it needs to be put back in, and that's what CPR is. And it was done, and it was done very quickly, which is why the ambulance didn't seem to be in a giant hurry. They got him oxygen, 
They got him on the stretcher and they got him in the ambulance. There are reports that the ambulance then went to the tunnel and waited as much as two or three minutes for his mother to come down from her seat and get in the ambulance and ride with him to the hospital. That was the first sign anywhere from people who, and it's getting easier to sort these things out on Twitter or places like that. And this was maybe 30 minutes before ESPN mentioned anything like this. It was on social media and on Twitter from people that are EMTs that said, listen, if that ambulance stopped and waited on his mom, he's in some sort of stable condition. They've, they've got the heart rate back and they've got him on oxygen. And, and if they're waiting a minute or two for the mom before they go to the hospital. This was the first sign that it looks like he's going to be okay. Now, again, we're in the seven o'clock hour here on Monday morning recording this podcast. I'm sorry, Tuesday morning, uh, seven o'clock hour on a Tuesday morning. And we will not make any commentary here on what will happen to DeMar Hamlin as he goes forward or what won't happen. What I want to look at is what we all saw. And it was amazing, the reaction of the players. And I echo many of the sentiments that we heard on ESPN from former players that say players take this harder than anyone. They see a teammate. They see a a fellow union member. Uh, They consider themselves young warriors. They just do. They know the risks of playing this game. They know every game could be their last. They know there are no guaranteed contracts. This sport is different than others, and it is a dangerous sport. It is also one of the reasons, not the the main reason, it is one of the reasons why it's America's most popular sport. Why Americans love this sport is it's it's exciting, it's thrilling, it's action-packed, it is big, heavy-set guys that don't look very athletic, meaning just as much to a team as gazelle-like wide receivers that tiptoe the corner of the end zone with one hand catching a ball, reaching across the pylon to score. It is it is ballet and trench warfare all at the same time. We see everything that we see in every other sport or entertainment in our lives all in one game. That's why people love football. Part of that is the physicality of it, the hard hits. This was not an unusually hard hit. This was a very mundane-looking play. It it looked like that I saw a couple of replays and then they've stopped showing it. So you got to go Google it and search it now to find it. They've stopped showing it in respect to DeMar Hamlin and his condition because we don't know how this ends. So they've stopped showing this. And I understand that. But on first blush, what I thought was the helmet hit the chest and then went up and caught him in the chin and just knocked him out like a boxer would be knocked out. That's what it looked like to me. First time, first blush. And they said, nope, doesn't look like he hit him in the head in any way, and there was the fact that DeMar Hamlin got up off the ground and then collapsed and went down. And almost immediately, cardiologists and whatnot were starting to comment on social media that that's a heart condition. That's what happens to you when you have a problem with your heart. If he had been knocked out by the helmet to his chin or the head or whatever, he would have just gone down at that moment. So we, we learned a lot very quickly. The NFL immediately, and this is where I want to get into you know what happened here the NFL immediately you had to recognize is perfectly set up for things like this to happen they had a team on him quickly they administered CPR they waited three or four minutes called the ambulance the ambulance was out there at five so the look look uh, to be honest we love the EMTs and the paramedics they're awesome at what they do the treatment he was getting from the team doctors on the field was better than what any ambulance crew could provide Now, was there equipment in the ambulance they needed? Yes. Did they get him oxygen? Of course. Did they put a trach down him in the the ambulance? Probably. 
Um, and then I'm certain that there was at least one team doctor that got in that ambulance and rode with him to the hospital, somebody from the Buffalo Bills that did that, although it hasn't all been reported. But the Bills have confirmed today it was cardiac arrest, that he is sedated, CPR was administered quickly, his heartbeat was restored fully on the field. If this is commodio cortis, which is that blunt force trauma to young men, average age 15, most of these occur in baseball games. This is much more common in Little League Baseball than anything else. You're batting, you get hit by a baseball in the chest as you're the batter. Or it could be a line drive or a, even a hard-hit ground ball can bounce up to a third baseman and hit you in the chest. The average age of someone this happens to is 15 years old and male. It is always young. Typically, it happens before the chest wall has grown and filled out and hardened as it would in older males. So that's what makes the only oddity here, if this is Commodio Cordis, is that DeMar Hamlin is 24. That's pretty old for this to happen. The survival rate is 58%. The survival rate is 58% if you are out at Johnson County 3-2 and two and you get hit by a pitch and it happens there. And imagine how long it takes for the paramedics to get there or any little league game or any sporting event for a 15-year-old boy. Imagine how long it takes before you get your treatment. Every single the doctor that's commented on this says, Time is of the essence. We know that the doctors restored his heartbeat on the field. We know the ambulance was right there. And we know, if indeed it's true, that he stopped in the tunnel, that the ambulance stopped there and waited for his mom, that they were okay with his, they had, he was critical condition, but they had stabilized everything, that they had a regular heartbeat. All of his vitals are back to normal. That was tweeted out maybe 45 minutes later by one of his representatives at his agency firm. All of his vital signs are normal. Everything is going well. They've induced him into a coma. They've got a breathing tube in him, and they're feeding him because I think they anticipate him being in this coma for three days. That is to lower the body temperature. That When you lower the body temperature, the blood and the oxygen in the blood helps all your organs better, faster in recovery and things like this, and that's the reason that they do it. It was stunning because we saw it on live television. I'm going to... First do the reaction, and I inadvertently or unwittingly became a media critic watching this. And you know how much I like media, but I was flipping around just try, like everybody else trying to find information. You probably did the same thing. You were probably looking everywhere, on your phone, flipping channels, whatever. And ESPN for a good 30 minutes was so dire and so down. You know, you want to stay there because they're at the scene and you're thinking, okay, they're going to get a report or they're going to get a comment from a Bills official or something, and it never happened. And they spent really the entire night talking about the seriousness of this. There was little coverage of who DeMar Hamlin is. I thought immediately they could have done that because I don't think many people watching know much about DeMar Hamlin. They know the Bills and the Bengals, but they don't really know DeMar Hamlin very much. And so I think that could have been something they could do, and we didn't see much of that on ESPN. They continually talked about he's our brother. They went to former players and talked about how players take this so seriously that teammates will take it more seriously. We saw teammates crying, and ESPN did report after social media did. It was the first place I saw. They said, look, the mother got in the ambulance and rode with him. They did not say, hey, that's good news. But, I mean, anybody could, if you think about this, anybody would know that that is good news, that if he was dying in the ambulance, it was an emergency, they'd be going so fast and so out of there the mom would get a police car and come meet, that that wouldn't happen. So ESPN had its own just dire down 
we'll talk to players and talk about how bad this is being a player in the NFL coverage. So after a few minutes of this, I started flipping. I'm looking for information, and I found it. I got over to Fox. Fox immediately, well, they had terrible hosts on. They had fill-in hosts on Monday night because it was the last holiday. So the hosts weren't very good. But they immediately got doctors on, specialists. They got them on, and they started talking about the possibility of what this could be, what it means, how important it was that CPR was administered at the scene, and this was obviously better coverage, and we were getting more information. Brian Kilmeade came on on the phone. He is a morning host on Fox News. And Brian Kilmeade came on and says, I have sources and a doctor telling me that what this is is commodio cordis. That's the first I had heard of it. Commodio cordis is that condition where a couple seconds after blunt force trauma to your heart, it skips out of rhythm and down you go. And you can collapse. That that's what this appeared to be. That was the first report of that. They were doing a nice condition, uh, a nice job of reporting on what this could be and what it looked like. They said he's in critical condition. They got a hold of the hospital before anyone else, to my knowledge, and said he's now in critical condition in the hospital. And then they had a doctor on saying critical condition at the hospital is outstanding. It sounds terrible. It's outstanding. He said they'll put a breathing tube in him. They're likely to lower his temperature by putting him, by sedating him or putting him to sleep or an induced coma, whatever you want to call it. If you die of commodio cordis, if you're 15 years old and you get hit with a baseball in the chest and you are rushed to the hospital and you're announced in critical condition, that is a good thing. If not, you're likely dying. Again, 40% of the people this happened to, it, you die. You don't make it. 40%. In almost all of those cases, those are people that are not treated as quickly and not gotten the proper attention as quickly as DeMar Hamlin did. So there's much reason for optimism here. Much reason. That's no guarantee. It's a very serious deal. But the survival rate is very high if you get immediate help, and DeMar Hamlin did. And so I, honest to goodness, I was put at ease by that. I felt better by seeing that report and nobody else was doing it. Then I flip over to CNN, and they have a roundtable discussion going on on CNN if this is the end of football as we know it. Is this a seminal moment that finally ends this pugilistic, violent, ridiculous, awful sport that we hate? I couldn't believe it. My first reaction was too soon. What, what are you doing? They've moved away. I mean, within 40 minutes, they've moved away from DeMar Hamlin, and they're trying to end football on CNN. It is remarkable what I was watching. And they were taking all their regular commercial breaks and everything else, but you know, we can't talk about the game. When this happens, you can't play the game. We, I think we all knew very quickly this game was going to be postponed. They were just trying to figure out how and why and what they were going to do. Although I will ask the question, if Carolina was playing Cleveland on a Sunday afternoon noon game, would they have stopped this game? Or would they have said, look, his heartbeat's restored. They're giving him oxygen. He's critical but stable. They're waiting on his mom in the tunnel. Looks like he's going to be okay. Let's play the game. I asked that question because this was a massive game with a massive audience on national TV on Monday Night Football. And I'm telling you right now, live television or video coverage of something changes the story dramatically. I will prove that point in a couple of moments. It changes everything. But I do ask the question, if this was a regional game with only a couple million people watching, Carolina playing Cleveland, and it happened at 1247 on a Sunday afternoon, would they have sent him to the hospital, known he's alive, because I think they knew, it sounds like by all these reports, they knew very quickly, he's alive, he's not dying here, he's alive, we're going to get him to the hospital, here we go, we know what to do, we know what this is. He was diagnosed, he was alive, 
everybody was comfortable with what they were doing. At that point, on just a regular Sunday game, does the NFL shut that game down? Because the NFL waited an hour on this one, over an hour, and the media reaction on Twitter and social media was not going to allow this game to be played. That was very clear, very quickly, that this game, I, I told Jessica, I said, they're not playing this game. This game's over. Twitter is canceling this game. And Twitter did cancel the game. Now, I'm not saying it was the wrong decision. I'm just telling you why the NFL did it. The reaction on Twitter, journalists with big jobs at real giant media outlets and hundreds of thousands of followers were comparing this within 30 minutes. They were comparing this to the NFL not canceling games in 1963 after JFK was killed. They were comparing this to 1971 when a Lions player went down and died playing football. They were already all over Roger Goodell, that he's the worst person on earth. The NFL is out of touch. This is awful. They're terrible. I'm like, that's it. This game's over. They could have said at that point, DeMar Hamlin is fine. He's alert. He's awake. It's okay. He's going to be just fine. And they were still canceling this game. The NFL, no matter what, was going to buckle to social media in this thing. And I think they'll reschedule. And I think the simple answer here is you play this game on Wednesday, maybe Wednesday afternoon. Get the Bills back on a plane later on Tuesday if DeMar Hamlin is okay. But the NFL may say, look, as long as he's in a coma, we're not playing this game. I can see that. And typically doctors want to keep it. it we hear the word coma. Again, this is what the doctors are doing. It's, he's basically sleeping, so his body temperature is lower. That's all they're doing here. But they may not want to do anything until he's awake and alert. And they can say he's awake, he's in his hospital bed, and now we're going to go resume football. It is hard to say what will happen here. It, it's really hard to say. I mean, these are, this is not, you know, this isn't Arizona and Cleveland playing a game. We can just say, well, we're just scrapping that one from the books. Didn't affect anyone or anything. It doesn't matter. We'll just move on this weekend. They can't really do that because this is such an important game with two teams that could or could not be off the first round of the playoffs. Both teams are still alive for the first round by, along with the Chiefs in the AFC. So there's just no way to ignore this game and not play it. They're going to have to do that at some point. And the way they come up with it, I don't know. I, I, I sense that tomorrow would be a really good time to do it. Maybe a 4 o'clock restart, 3.30 in the afternoon restart or something like that. But I don't know that they will do that if Tamar Hamlin is still in a medical-induced coma. doesn't seem like maybe they will. But the reaction from all these different sites was, was simply, it was remarkable. It, it was absolutely remarkable. ESPN, and just it was like it was a funeral. CNN wanted to cancel football. Fox was reporting news and had doctors on telling you what it was. And Twitter was all over Goodell and the NFL sucks. And this is worse than JFK in 1963. And I just, Twitter is so bad like that. It is so bad. And man, if there's just one thing to know about social media is when you see something like this, just stop. Because again, my first reaction instantly, my first reaction was, wow, did he get hit in the head? And down he went. Is this like a boxer? That wasn't what it was at all. It is absolutely time to wait. All right, we'll give you some comparisons here in a moment. We want to remind you that KKHI is brought to you by 360 Document Solutions. Our company's business solution is 360 Document Solutions, and it can be your businesses too. Mark Lindquist and his team would love to work with you in 2023, whether it's a, just a complimentary analysis of all your document technology and IT programs, They'll do a complete review for you absolutely free, including your current costs, 
and they are most likely to offer you solutions that are going to bring great benefits to your company, including saving money. Contact Mark at 913-745-5344, online at 360documentsolutions.com. Bstock is online at bstock.net. I got another wonderful email from a gentleman who went out there last week and got the 65-inch Samsung QLED for $300 less than Best Buy. And he said they couldn't have been nicer when I went out there. He said, thank you so much for having them as a sponsor. I love my new television. And I cannot believe I got this awesome set for $300 less than Best Buy. He felt just tremendous about that. I'm like, way to go, dude. Congratulations on that. It is bstock.net, 146-80 South Flaming Road in Olathe. And Fry Orthodontics, online at fryorthodontics.com. Get a smile for life with Invisalign. is the same price as braces. 13 locations in the metro area for you. Online at fryorthodontics.com. Mark your calendar. 2023 is the year that you're going to fix your smile. You can do this, and they can help, and they can make it sort of fun and sort of easy for you. Ask them. The first consultation is free. Set up an appointment, go in and say, what are we looking at and how much? And find out what Fry Orthodontics can do for you or your young one and that perfect smile for life. FryOrthodontics.com, where your smile is just the start. Okay, I, I think you've probably heard me say in the past that when you see something, it is different than if you don't see it. And a lot of times we use this in stories that involve domestic violence. Dana White was caught this weekend at a New Year's Eve party in Cabo San Lucas at a nightclub slapping his wife's face. They were both drunk. It was New Year's Eve. She was sort of distraught. He went and put his arm around her. She had her head in her hands. And she looked like she was probably drunk. And she got up, took her head out of her hands, and said something to him, and he said something to her, and she just whacked him. Right across the face, she whacked him. And his reaction was he slapped her back. Well, he's the bad guy. I've got my own personal thoughts about some of this. I do believe there's a human instinct that if you are hit, your instinct is to hit back. And I think men are put in this situation, in a bad situation, a lot of times to do something that is against their instinct. And that is a woman hits you or hurts you or punches you or scratches you or bites you. And your instinct is to hit back. We saw this with Chris Beard, the Texas basketball coach. There is no question the woman said she hit him first. And then he responded. I don't know what we need to do in our society. I don't know how long women have been whacking men. I don't know this. I don't have this answer. I don't think my mom ever hit my dad. I don't know. I don't know if this is a more recent phenomenon. I don't know if it involves our, our new culture that is not what our culture once was. I don't know if it involves alcohol. I don't know. I know this. I know personally a lot of women that have hit men or clawed them or bitten them or done something and started something. In every case that I know of, the man did nothing back. But your instinct is to, is to fight back. So we have these situations where we see some of this stuff. And I've always said, if it's on tape, Dana White's guilty. He's in trouble here. If this wasn't on tape and you heard a description of, well, Dana White's wife hit him and he slapped her back, you'd be like, okay, whatever. He's the UFC CEO, by the way. A billionaire, in fact. And so you see it and it looks terrible because he clearly slaps a woman with an open hand. He slaps her across the face, and he shouldn't do that, and he's apologized for it. They've been married 30 years. They've known each other since we were 12. They've probably had fights before in their marriage, maybe not physical, but they've had, you know, whatever. But you see it, and you're like, wow, okay, and it becomes a big story because there's video. There was an element to that to DeMar Hamlin 
reason I tell you that is 38-year-old Ushe Waneri, who played in 104 games for the Jacksonville Jaguars, died this weekend of acute heart failure at his home in West Lafayette, Indiana. Had you heard that story? Of course not. Retired a couple of years ago after playing 104 games with Jacksonville. Died at age 38 of acute heart failure. What's that all about? I don't know. I just know it's not news because nobody saw it. It didn't happen during a game, and it's not news. I come down this morning to my office, and I have a Roku on the television in here. So I stream into this TV, and every morning when I turn it on, the Roku guide thing pops up, and I go to where my streaming is for my cable so I can get the news and sports and everything all on one one set. And, and there's, a, uh, there's a suggested, there's something suggested on the one-third of the right side of the screen. Here's your suggestion to watch something today. And there was a big picture of the Hurt Locker up. Remember the movie The Hurt Locker about 10 years ago? Won the Academy Award. And it said, watch Jeremy Renner in The Hurt Locker. And I thought, well, there's an interesting way to deal with a story different than DeMar Hamlin, who we all saw go down on a football field, because it sounds like Jeremy Renner, the actor, is in worse condition right now than DeMar Hamlin. Jeremy Renner has a home near Reno. It's Tahoe. They love to ski. Their family loves to ski. They had a massive snowstorm. He went out two days ago with a snowplow to clear the way and somehow had a massive snowplow accident. Crushed his chest, orthopedic injuries, broken bones, life flighted to the hospital, and multiple surgeries. Academy Award nominated actor Jeremy Renner. We have no pictures of the scene. We have no description really of what happened. It certainly was not live on television. And so this Jeremy Renner story is not a story? Monday, action sports legend Ken Block who started a shoe company called DC Shoes, the largest skateboarding shoe, and these are like X game people, action action sports. He was a pioneer and an icon. He was a five-time X game medalist in rallycross. This is an iconic figure in action sports. Ken Block, aged 55, snowmobiling in Utah, two o'clock yesterday afternoon. He's dead. He's dead. You don't hear that story. Yeah, I'm telling you a story you probably don't know. These are all things that have happened in the last 48 hours or so. They've all happened. Did you know there was a murder across the street from Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday during the Chiefs game at a gas station? Yeah, three blocks up on 40 Highway over there. There was a murder. It is not unusual to have deaths at Chiefs games. It's almost always fans. Sometimes it's a fight. Sometimes it's a real murder. Sometimes it's heart attacks and they're rushed to the hospital and they don't live. It happens a lot. Do you remember last year, the story that was not a story? After the game, Andy, Andy Reid made it through the game. After the game, Andy Reid had heart problems. He had chest problems. They didn't like what they saw at the stadium with the team doctors. They put him in an ambulance and took him to the hospital where he stayed overnight with, with heart problems. Mild heart attack, heart problems, heart palpitations. I don't know what. This happened, and the Chiefs basically said, nothing to look at here, no story, don't ask, and Andy wouldn't address it. Amazing. But Andy didn't go down to one knee during the game. 
If he'd gone down to one knee during the game and was sweating and you looked at him, ooh, and he took a big breath and he got up and then he made it through the game and then they said it was a heart condition, it may have been a big story, but because he kept whatever was going on with him until after the game and then he went in and said, Doc, I don't feel right, man. I got something going on here. And they checked him out and said, this isn't good. This is your heart. Let's get you to the hospital. They took him to the hospital. It was a non-story. Do you remember that story? Because some of these are non-stories because you don't see them. I remember a boxer in Kansas City named Randy Carver, who was a wonderful young man and an up-and-coming, unbelievable boxer who died at Harrah's. They used to set up a ring in the parking lot and have big boxing nights at Harrah's. And he repeatedly got headbutted in this match, and the ref didn't probably do enough to stop the headbutting that was going on, but in the end then got pounded in the head and knocked to the canvas. He tried to get up four times. He tried to get up off the canvas and went down and then was non-responsive, and they gave him the smelling salts and sort of brought him back too, but realized pretty quickly we better get him in the ambulance. They took him to the hospital where he died. So I ask ourselves, I ask the question after watching everything that we saw last night, what you consumed watching this, is the point here that we're trying to condition ourselves to not live our lives? I don't really know. I don't have the answer, but there's a big picture question and a big picture issue here that I'm not smart enough to figure out right now. But as I watch this and we start to decide this is a story and it's really, really important based on whether people saw it on video or not. I've never been able to deal with that. I've never been able to reconcile that as a journalist or as a reporter. To me, all these stories were equal. How do you think the family feels of the dude that was shot and killed across the street in the Chiefs game? How do you think Jeremy Renner's family is doing right now and other actors in Hollywood? An action legend died on a snowmobile yesterday, and you haven't heard it. This is a very famous person. Millions and millions of people know this guy. You may not, but millions do. Uh, more people know Ken Block, who's dead, than knew DeMar Hamlin. There weren't very many people that knew DeMar Hamlin before yesterday. You had to be really into football, unless you lived in Buffalo, or, or maybe had a team in that division. You had to be really into football to know DeMar Hamlin. He's not a player you'd have on your fantasy team. He doesn't carry the ball. It's not a kicker, you know, it's just bizarre to me because this DeMar Hamlin story is altering the entire NFL season. It is changing all the news coverage on a day where the GOP is taking over Congress. It's changing everything because we saw it. I don't really have commentary there. I just wanted to give you some other stories and some other perspective of things that we have seen and things that we know about that really aren't big stories. And the only question I can come up with is, are we conditioning ourselves to not live our lives? Because Jeremy Renner was clearing snow over holidays, a busy actor. He had holiday time with his kids. They loved to ski. He was clearing snow, presumably so they could go skiing either later that day or the next day, so they could get out of their home. They had feet of snow in Lake Tahoe up in the mountains. He was clearing snow so they could go and do what they love to do. Ken Block was snowmobiling in Utah, doing what he loves to do. Everybody was living their life, and we look at things like this and we go, sometimes we'll say about a guy like Ken Block, well, he died doing what he loved doing. We're not applying that to DeMar Hamlin. There's this implied thing with football now in the liberal media that football is bad. Yes, there were people on the right that immediately started tweeting, hey, is this vaccine related? And I think that's a fair and honest question. I do. 
He was, this player clearly was forced to take a vaccine to play football. It's a fair and honest question. We don't have enough data on that. By all indications and descriptions by experts, cardiologists who came on live and don't have any real bias to them, they say, no, we've seen this before in young men, usually baseball players. It's called commodio cordis. That's what it looks like. They have not, officials have not said that's officially what it was. They have not said that. Is there a possibility that it's vax related? I think it's very small from what I've learned about this thing, very small, but anything's possible. We know that young men have had heart problems because of the vaccine. That's fact. We know that. All these things are out there and they're leading to this perfect storm of a story that is going to carry on all week long and alter the NFL season because we all saw it live. And I hope we don't get to point where we see things and we start changing our lives. I don't mind people saying, look, live every moment. You know, know that today could be your last day. I'm cool with that. I, I know that about myself and my life and everyone that I know and love. Today could be our last day. Everybody knows that. Anything can happen. But I don't think that your immediate reaction should be, we shouldn't be playing football. This sport is too dangerous. This is exceedingly rare in football because football has pads over the heart. It happens much more in other sports. Soccer, blunt force from the ball, because you can't use your hands. You can't use your hands to stop the ball from hitting you in the heart. You kind of use your chest in that sport. Baseball, sometimes a pitch, you turn. There's nothing you do to get out of the way, or a hard-hit ground ball bounces up and can catch you right there. I hope this doesn't really make some sort of big definitive statement on, wow, we can't do the things we love because we all have to live in a bubble and try to not get hurt and try to live... Uh, our fullest lives. Try, not trying not to get too preachy here today. I'm trying not to. But I felt like about 45 minutes after that thing, and I feel today comfortable, not not guaranteed, I feel good about DeMar Hamlin. I think he's going to be fine. That's, that's the way I feel about him. I, I'm just thrilled that those people were there to respond as quickly as they did, and he got the treatment he did. So everything at this hour... Um, Certainly, it'd be different if this was someone you knew or was your relative, but I just, just being objective and looking at it, it looks like there's more good news right now than bad because everybody feared the worst. We all absolutely thought the worst on Monday night. KKHI is brought to you by Back9 Development online at back9development.com. If you have a dream of a custom home, commercial properties, room additions, Back9 Development is for you. And if you've got an idea, if you've got some land and you want to develop something, build something, you've got... Get your investors together and call TJ, and he can make this whole thing happen for you. Take care of it all. TJ is an incredible developer and would love to meet with you about your project. 785-236-0161. Online at back9development.com. And NKC Dental, north of the river is Dr. Bill Bush. Make that appointment for this new year to get in and get your teeth cleaned and get your checkup. You probably haven't done that in a while. Most people aren't very good about doing it every six months, but you might want to get in there and see Dr. Bill Bush. He is the dentist of the Chiefs, and he's a great guy, and you're going to enjoy your experience at his remarkable facility, uh, Armor and Swift in the Northland, also an office in Westwood, nkcdental.com. Okay, I mentioned the GOP House vote is coming up. GOP has taken over the House of Representatives. Look, I, I'm... Um, I'm too much of a realist, I think, for a lot of you. I think a lot of you wish that I were more of, you know, a hard ass like some of these handful or whatever of Republicans say they're not voting for Kevin McCarthy. 
I don't know what they're going to do here, but every day they waste on this, I'm assuming they have two years and we're going to lose Congress because <laughs> I just, that's kind of where I'm, that's kind of where I am now. So if you're going to do something, let's get going. Let's not fight amongst ourselves. As awful as it sounds, do I wish someone else were the speaker than McCarthy? Yes. Do I think it's going to happen? No. McCarthy gave a concession over the weekend. Here's what he did. He said, vote for me, put me in. And at any moment in my tenure, I'm changing the House rules. We're changing the rules. There's no more Zoom calls. You have to be here. We're doing everything in person. And at any point, if five Republicans want me out, they can come forward and we'll re-vote. We'll do this all over again. Let's go forward together. And if you think it's going crappy, you could try to throw me out then. He's changed the rules and said, you can run me out. Well, that sounds like a guy that's about to move to the right. Because he knows that these people over here have a strong upper hand and can just re-vote on him, recall him at any moment. Isn't that enough? I think it is enough for me. I just want to get on with it. I, I want to see something better. I want, I want some good news quickly. And I don't really want, care about investigations and impeachments and all that. I want something I can see and touch and feel. Do something. Make something happen. Cut a budget. Stop spending some money. Do something. Cut something off that we hate. Add something we like. Anything. Find a way. Make it happen. You control all the money now. Please. Do something, Congress. Do something and do it now. I had a discussion yesterday with a buddy. I said, have you seen this story about the things at the new KCI airport? They're very proud of this. They're getting ready to open it in March. And there's a million square feet in the terminal. It, I'll say this. It does look like every other airport. But I've said for many years, every other airport is better than the one we have. Was it sometimes easy to get dropped at the door right by your gate and walk right in? Yes, but it's... Too crowded, too congested, the security things. There's nothing really right about the old KCI. I'm sorry. I know some of you were hanging on and loved it, and there's nothing right about it. You need more space. The, the being crowded around strangers thing and people sleeping on the floor and gross people and all kinds, it, it's too much at KCI. It's too much. So I'm happy we have a new airport. I thought I'd let you know that Kansas City did a great job here. In 2017, we passed in an election the opportunity to build a $1 billion airport. And it looks like it's going to come in around 1.6. 60% over budget. We are just sort of keeping up with the Joneses here. And since we're only keeping up with the Joneses with our airport, Kansas City decided they were going to try to do stuff with the airport that other people haven't done yet because we get to do ours fresh and new. Oh, you're going to love this. We could have the most woke airport in America. This is fantastic. We had 28 artists do over $6 million worth of art for this airport. I mean, that's just great, isn't it? $6 million in art from 28 artists. And they set out specifically that no more than 25% of the artists would be white men. Oh, yeah. No, that was the rule. So however many artists we got to go hire, we're going to hire them all. But only 25% only of the artists can be white males. The other 75% have to be women or people of color. $6 million in art. Boy, I feel better about the airport, don't you? That only 25% of the artists were white dudes? God, that makes me feel good. I mean, incredible. One million square foot terminal. More than half of the artwork created by all these artists. After an intensive selection process, it's been installed already. We're ready to go. There's two moving walkways that'll expedite transfers between two concourses. 
There's 39 gates. Accessibility is a key theme in the design of this terminal. This is it, man. This is going to be the most accessible place in America. Each concourse has a restroom core that includes a water bottle station. Oh, yeah. A family restroom with an adult-sized changing table, not some tiny little changing table. A multi-user restroom. Multi-user restroom means anybody, anywhere, anytime. Come as you are. That's going to be a freak show. That might be fun to go in there sometime and just watch the multi-user restroom and see what's going on in there. Then what they're calling gendered restrooms. So I suspect we're going to have male, female, and maybe non-binary? I don't know. And service animal relief areas. What about my dog Cabo? If I'm flying with him, he doesn't get to use it. It has to be a service animal. See, this is all just crap. This is $1.6 billion. We're going to do whatever we want. We're going to say to the world that we're the most woke place and up-to-date cool people on the planet. Service animal relief area? What about regular pets? They fly too. The terminal will also include 10 rooms for nursing mothers and infants. A quiet room, whatever that is. And an aircraft cabin simulator made with the front of a scrapped Airbus A321 plane to accommodate autistic passengers who may experience negative reactions to airplane travel. All right. We took an old Airbus A321, and we're going to have a simulator here, a cabin simulator, specifically for autistic passengers, so they can go experience that before they get on the real airplane. I mean, we're amazing. Are we not the greatest city on earth? My God, we're awesome. Who thought of these things? We're so forward-thinking. So cool. Man, when did Kansas City get this hip? We're just incredible. New terminal will expand KCI's passenger capacity from 30,000 passengers a day to over 50,000 passengers. And now we await what they promised, and that is more nonstop flights. That the airlines will come, and they will bring us more nonstop flights. I'll believe it when I see it. Thanks to our friends Gary Joslin and Dave and Cameron and my guys over at Joslin's Jewelry. I have a friend that went in there for the holidays and got his wife uh, some diamond earrings. They're just beautiful, beautiful earrings. And they had a wonderful experience at Joslin's. They worked with Dave Carpenter on that one. And he's he's incredible. But uh, it's the new year. And if you think about Valentine's Day or you got an anniversary coming up or she didn't get exactly what she wanted for Christmas or you know what, if you just screwed up like Dana White did on New Year's Eve, go get something that says I'm sorry. Joslin's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch in Overland Park. And Advanced Medical Imaging, the new year is an excellent time to start thinking about your health. I cannot recommend more highly the heart scan to get your plaque score on your heart if you're over the age of 40. You can do this at Advanced Medical Imaging in Lawrence for under 100 bucks. Log on to medimageks.com. For some crazy reason, insurance doesn't cover it, but I can't imagine anything more important than getting a scan of your chest. You're going to get a heart plaque score, and they're going, the people who read it are going to see all your other organs to see if there's anything else there. This is peace of mind. I'm going to do it every single year the rest of my life. I will not go one year the rest of my life without getting this heart scan. This sounds like something that insurance we should have for everybody. Uh, or maybe you need an MRI or a CT scan. They do all that too, and they take insurance for those. MedImageKS.com. They have the biggest, most comfortable, beautiful, quiet, natural lighting machines anywhere in the Midwest. It is the best place to go for any medical imaging. 
MedImageKS.com. Thanks to them for being on board, and thanks for checking out my chest and giving me that zero plaque score on my heart. I feel pretty good about that. That's awesome. Although I had a physical, and I've probably been eating too much red meat. I'm starting to hear that. Cholesterol a little bit high. A little bit high. Going to have to watch that. I'm cutting out the red meat at least for a month. Going to see what happens, see if I can bring it down. We're all going to try to do something a little healthier this January, right? That's what we do. Can't thank you enough for being with us, man. Tell your friends if you get a chance about KKHI. Hit that like or follow or the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. If you'd like to become a patron and get the two or three podcasts a week plus the newsletter every weekend, uh, you can join by going to the website kkhasissues.com. Use your computer or your laptop. It's much easier than your phone. kkhasissues.com. Just click on Become a Patron. We'd love to have you join us this year for all our bonus content and exclusive content for patrons only, including three or four times a year we get together and throw patron parties. That's where I feed you. I give you, I, I, I have you out and get a nice buffet set up and everybody gets to eat stuff. It's fun. You'll enjoy being a patron. KKHasIssues.com. Thanks for listening to KKHI. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. Ah!